You're listening to an audio sermon from Trinity Bible Chapel. For more information, please visit our website at trinitybiblechapel.ca. Matthew 28, verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Please bow with me for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that we have and we're in possession of. And we pray that you would empower the preaching of it. Strengthen us by the preaching of your word and fill us to the uttermost with the Holy Spirit of God. We pray that the word would be preached clearly and with conviction and it would be anointed and the hearing would be anointed. Bring backsliders home, save sinners, and strengthen your church. Amen. So the Sanhedrin has, by this point, procured the powers of Rome to keep the tomb secured because they did not want those words he is risen to be uttered. They did not want that at all. And so they procured Rome and they sought Rome's favor and found it. And Rome allowed for them to have some guards and sentries at the, at the tomb. And they actually sealed the tomb. An angel came down from heaven to open the tomb. The angel sent the soldiers. The soldiers, in response to this angel, fell on the ground and trembled as though dead. Fell on the ground as though dead and trembled. And they were in a panic. And the angels, putting the soldiers into a panic, comforted the two women who were also fearful, but they brought comfort to them and said, do not be afraid, do not fear. We know what happened to those women. We know that the angel and then Jesus commissioned them to go back to Galilee to meet up with the disciples and tell them that Christ is risen and that Jesus will meet them all in Galilee. So we know what happened to those women. But there were other witnesses to the resurrection. And those other witnesses were the soldiers that were sent on the ground as though dead, trembling. Well, what happened to the soldiers? What came of the soldiers once they finally came to again? We know what happened to the women. They went and they met Jesus, and then they went to Galilee. But what of the soldiers? Today's text is not found in any of the other three Gospels. I think that's likely because... Matthew is dealing specifically with a story that was told among the Jews, and Matthew's audience seems to be predominantly Jewish, and so he's interacting with that story that was told among them. So it's not found among the other three Gospels, but it does tell us what happened with those soldiers. It tells us what happened with them. And they end up actually taking a bribe from the Sanhedrin. 
The Sanhedrin is the highest court in Israel, and they take a bribe from the Sanhedrin to begin circulating a lie that the disciples stole the body of Jesus, and that's why the tomb is empty. They circulated this lie, soldiers did, having borne witness, having seen it, witnessed the resurrection. They get a bribe from the Sanhedrin, and because they're motivated by that bribe, or bribe, they're motivated by the bribe, they circulate this lie. And this text demonstrates a few things for us. Last week, we looked at the emergence of the kingdom of God grounded in the resurrection, grounded in the truth, fueled, empowered by the resurrection, as the women took testimony of the resurrection and began to bring it to the disciples. Well, today we see a rival kingdom begin to emerge. It's not the kingdom of Christ, it's the kingdom of Antichrist. And the kingdom of Christ is fueled, it's empowered by the power of God is manifest in the resurrection. The kingdom of Antichrist is often empowered, no, not by the power of God, but by the power of dirty money, bribes and backroom deals. And it's not founded like the kingdom of Christ on the truth. No, it's founded on lies. And so that is what begins to sprout up in today's text, this rival way of being in this rival direction. It's the kingdom of Antichrist, founded on a lie and empowered and fueled by illicit uses of money, dirty money. We also find today that the truth claims of Christianity, especially the historicity of the resurrection, are reasonable and substantiated. So these aren't unreasonable claims that we make. They're very reasonable. And there's substantial evidence for them. However, despite the fact that they're reasonable claims and there's substantial evidence for them, even if you are a witness to the resurrection, you will, doesn't mean you'll be born again. Even if it's a, there's substantial evidence and these are reasonable claims, and even if you bear eyewitness to the resurrection, that's no guarantee that you'll be born again. Because these men bear witness to the resurrection, and they are liars. What you need to be born again is the power of God in the second birth. Divide the text up into four headings. We see the report to the Sanhedrin. We see the bribe from the Sanhedrin, the promise from the Sanhedrin, and then the result is the soldiers carry this false gospel out among the Jews. The report. Let's look at the report. This report occurs simultaneously with ladies going their way last week. So the ladies were going their way last week. We saw that they left their encounter with Jesus. They left their encounter with the angels or the angel, and they head up to Galilee to tell the other disciples about the resurrection and encounter Jesus. As they're going, the soldiers who were also at the tomb, the garden tomb, and witnessed to the resurrection and saw the angel, they went somewhere too. So it says in verse 11, while they were going, they, the antecedent of they, is those two ladies, behold, 
behold, right? Picture this, just like last week. Some of the guard went into the city. So while the ladies are going their way, the guard went into the city. Some of the guard indicates to us that there were multiple members of this guard. There were multiple soldiers at the tomb. And perhaps it was a contingency, a representative of the group that went into Jerusalem. And there were multiple of them, and they went in Jerusalem. And what did they do in Jerusalem? It tells us they went and they told, verse 11, the chief priests all that had taken place. So they sought an audience with the chief priests. These are the religious leaders. These are the men who lead the Sanhedrin. Remember what the Sanhedrin is? Sanhedrin is the high court of Judea. It's a 71-panel, um, I guess you could say, committee or panel of men, judges, who oversee judicial matters. They also serve as a legislature in Judea. So they have legislative and judicial power. It's the highest court. It's the highest body of men in Judea. And on that court are priests. It's led by priests. So it's religious and civil matters that they deal with. And so these men who have now witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I saw an angel come down from heaven. They sought an audience with the high priests, it says in verse 11. They told the high priests all that had taken place. The Sanhedrin is now given evidence of the resurrection. And remember that the standard for Credible evidence in the Old Testament, and these men on the Sanhedrin were legal experts in the Old Testament law. And so remember what the standard for credible evidence is. What is it? Two or three witnesses that corroborate their story. And so some of the guard go to the Sanhedrin, the chief priests at least, and tell them what? All that had taken place. You have multiple soldiers going to the chief priests to tell them all that had taken place. An angel came down from heaven. An angel removed the tomb. An angel sent us into a panic as though dead, convulsing on the ground. An angel sat on the tomb and Jesus rose from the dead. All that had taken place. The highest legal body in Israel... Judea, the body that could not convict Christ on corroborated evidence. They couldn't get a corroborated, corroborated evidence on Christ. Now has corroborated evidence put before them that Jesus rose from the dead by eyewitnesses whose stories line up. It's given to the chief priests. And now they have to deal with this evidence by their own legal standard. And what's their own legal standard? Two or three witnesses. And they have it. It's right there. And this, of course, links with the women who left the tomb because it's contrasting with it. It's comparing with it. So if you look at verse 9, for example, it says, And behold, well, the word behold is used in today's text, verse 11. If you look up at verse 8 in last week's text, what does the women do? They tell, they're supposed to tell his disciples in verse 10. They're supposed to tell his brothers, Jesus' brothers of the resurrection. And then in verse 9, what happens is the 
guards tell, or they told, the same verb, different tense, the chief priests, all that had happened. So they're both doing something similar. The guards are doing something similar to what the ladies were doing, and the ladies were doing something similar to what the guards were doing, and it's happening at the exact same time. The ladies are going to tell people about the resurrection, and the guards are going to tell the chief priests about the resurrection. It's all happening at once. Each brings the message of resurrection. The women bring it, and the guards bring it. The women appear to be hopeful and triumphant, however. The guards, nonetheless, appear to be confused and fearful and fail failures. However, each brings corroborated testimony that Christ has risen from the dead. One brings it to the disciples, and one brings it to the chief priests. The chief priests re receive the news that their plans have failed when they hear about the resurrection. So chapter 27, verse 64, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin goes to Pilate and they say, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and seal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. So the chief priests order the guard to seal the tomb because they don't want people going around saying that Jesus rose from the dead and they don't want the disciples stealing the body. So they receive in reception of the resurrection, knowledge of the resurrection, they receive news that their plans have collapsed. They've imploded. They held all the cards of power, earthly power, but they've failed. They were thwarted. And so, with Roman power at their disposal, they used as much of it as possible, because we, I mean, today's text tells us that there were multiple guards, multiple soldiers, many, because just some of them went back to Jerusalem, so some didn't, to tell the chief priests. They had the power of Rome at their disposal, but now it is all blown up. They have egg on their face, the chief priests do. And what the chief priests do, having received this report, is they offer a bribe. That's my second heading, the bribe. As I talk about the bribe, and we move into this, you might be tempted to think that the soldiers were coming to the chief priests wanting to plot together with the chief priests on nefarious activity on how to silence the news of the resurrection. You might think that. But our text today doesn't say that. We don't know what their motives were. We don't know what the intent of the guards were in going to the chief priests and telling them all, that all these things had taken place. We don't know what their intent was. And often when people experience and, and witness some type of heavenly sign and miraculous heavenly activity, what do they do? They go to their religious leaders to talk to them about it. It's within the realm of possibility, if you look exclusively at this text, that these people, these soldiers who witnessed an angel come down from heaven, who witnessed an angel move the tomb, who were thrown on the ground as though dead convulsing, who witnessed an angel sit on the tomb, and who witnessed Christ raised from the dead, it's, re it's within the realm of possibility, if you look at this text, that the reason they were going to the chief priests was to seek 
religious counsel on the matter. It's within that realm of possibility, which gives us some insight into the hearts of the chief priests as they offer this bribe. Because the chief priests receive corroborated evidence of the resurrection, the high court of Jerusalem receives corroborated evidence of the resurrection, and, though, and so they convene a meeting. It says in verse 12, and when they had assembled, that's the word assembled there means they convened a meeting. They called a convention. And the word assembled there is used typically in Matthew to describe the plotting of the wicked to kill Christ. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, so taken counsel there is, there's an idea that's put on the table. It's on the floor of the meeting. And the idea is passed around and how you're going to deal with this idea. So there's an idea of just, there's, taking counsel is there's discussion and then there's a passing of a resolution. So this is like a Supreme Court ruling. It's closed, it's behind doors, but there is a ruling that takes place. There's the passing of a resolution after a meeting has been convened and discussion has been had. And what must be discussed but corroborated evidence of the resurrection. And so the whole Sanhedrin gathers together at this point. And as the Sanhedrin gathers together, the, the, the guards went to the chief priest, but then the whole Sanhedrin gathers together. And as they gather together, they discuss this and they take counsel. So it says here, and when they had assembled with the elders, so the, the Sanhedrin was made up of the um, Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders, and all of these religious leaders came together and they took counsel. And they pass a formal resolution to, to issue a bribe. See what it says? Verse 12, and when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. Now, let's talk about how much money that was in a minute, but remember just a chapter or two ago, the same group met together. They convened to pass a resolution that Jesus should be executed and they looked for, they actually hired fake false witnesses, could not get a corroborated testimony that Jesus Christ was the blasphemer that they alleged that he was. And here, now they have corroborated testimony that Jesus Christ was legit in his claims that he rose from the dead. So you think if they're gonna be honest men, they're gonna convene their court in order to overturn their previous ruling, if they were honest. They're not honest men. But God is gracious to them because he yet gives them one more piece of evidence that Christ was legit. And they don't listen. They don't even discuss the evidence. This is how crazy it is. They don't want to discuss it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't investigate. They don't cross-examine. And here's the wild thing. It's several of the soldiers, some of the soldiers go to the chief priests. They tell them what happened. They have corroborated testimony of the resurrection and the angel. There's other soldiers that are down yonder somewhere who didn't go. 
If they really wanted to launch an investigation, they could have, they could have cross-examined all the witnesses, some of whom were not present, and could have found out whether their testimonies contradicted each other or whether they all corroborated. They don't even do that. They meet, they convene, they issue um, a ruling that we're going to pay a bribe. Backroom deal. This is how dishonest and dirty they are. They don't want any of this disgust in the open is what I'm trying to say. They don't, they don't issue charges against the soldiers. They could have charged the soldiers with dereliction of duty. They don't do that. They don't issue a, an investigation to go find the body. They don't do that. They could have. So everything in this text points to the fact that the Sanhedrin, and especially the chief priests, believed the testimony of the soldiers when they told them all things. They actually believed them. But they didn't want the truth to come up. And by the way, there's, if you pay attention to the news in our country, if people, if people want open inquiries into matters, it's because they got nothing to hide. If they don't want open inquiries into matters, it's because they got something to hide, very often. Right? And so there's, if there's credible allegations that surface within the last few weeks that somehow the Chinese communists are manipulating our government, and then the government itself doesn't want an open inquiry into the matter, why doesn't the government come out and say, we got nothing to hide, have an open inquiry? Let's cross-examine the witnesses. No, because for the first time in eight years, that's something that's too expensive. Right? When have you ever heard that from these people before? They have the printing press at their disposal to make money, and it's still too expensive for them. But enough of that. There's, what, I'm, what I'm trying to point out is that corrupt, dirty dealers always operate the same way. They love to operate in the darkness and sneak around. So this is the second, or no, this is the third bribe that we know of. The first was they paid Judas to turn Jesus in. And then we hear that they hired false witnesses to prosecute Jesus that couldn't corroborate. And now they're paying these men. And they pay them a sufficient sum of money, the ESV tells us. The King James translates it a large money, large money. So a lot of money. And they're paying off multiple guards. So this is a lot of money. And in, in paying off multiple guards, you have to understand that the, the lie that they're paying the guards to tell is a lie that could not only cost them their lives, but it's a lie that could certainly cost them their careers. I mean, who wants to go and report back, well, yeah, I couldn't keep a dead body in the grave because I fell asleep. What kind of soldier are you? Right? So I'm assuming, I'm just reading into it, I'm assuming that the large money, as the King James translates it, would probably be a handsome golden parachute into retirement. It doesn't say that, but I suspect that it's enough for them to be willing to risk their jobs because that's what they're doing. And there were multiple soldiers. So there were truckloads of cash that were delivered that day from the Sanhedrin. 
I mean, they only paid 30 pieces of silver to have Jesus turned in by Judas, but I think they likely delivered boatloads of cash to the homes of these soldiers to pay them off so that they would never have to worry about anything again because they were putting so much on the line. And the chief priests, I really do believe, they believed their account of the resurrection. Otherwise, he would not have done this. He would have been outraged. He would have launched a public inquiry. He would have investigated the matter. He would have sent in a group of investigators to find the body, to interrogate, to cross-examine, to see how their story would break down. And that's not what he did. Instead, what he does, instead what he does is he pays a bunch of people off. He pays them to lie, or they pay them to lie. The whole high court of Judea pays them to lie. Let's read it, verse 13. It says, this is what they're paying them to do. And said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while they were asleep. Basically paying them to say what they'd hired them to ensure didn't happen. This is so stupid. Sin is stupid. Sin makes you stupid. If you're in sin, I'm telling you, if you're not stupid now, it will take you to stupidity. It's not a question of your IQ. It's just a matter of sin will make you stupid. You will do stupid things and not even realize it. Like, who does this? So if you look back up at verse 64 of the previous chapter, chapter 27, the Sanhedrin's come to Pilate, and this is what they say. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell people he has risen from the dead. So, they pay the soldiers to guard the tomb so that people wouldn't go around saying that Jesus is risen from the dead because they stole the body. Let, just catch this. You got to see how dumb this is, how stupid it is. They pay them to guard the tomb. Like they issue money to guard the tomb so that the body is not stolen from the tomb by the disciples. Now they're paying them to tell people that the body was stolen from the tomb by the disciples. This is how stupid it is. Who does this? People that are deep into sin. Your sin will find you out. Because eventually, something's not going to work out for you, no matter how hard you try and no matter how many resources you have at your disposal, it will not work out for you, ever. It will catch you and haunt you. They pay them to make sure the disciples don't steal the body. Then they pay them to tell people that the disciples stole the body. Stupid. It's so stupid. There's a difference, however. There's a difference. So you go back up to verse 64. It says, Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. And then you go back to our text today, verse 13. They tell them to tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. They add two things to this. It makes the story even more stupid. Because instead of saying that the disciples stole the body, they're supposed to say that the disciples came by night 
and stole the body while we were sleeping. So they add two qualifiers. See how lies work? So it, like, the concern was that the disciples wouldn't steal the body. They fail, you know, the, the disciples didn't steal the body, but the, the body's not there. Now they're paying them to say that the disciples stole the body by night while they were sleeping. This is so dumb. And why is it so dumb? Well, it's because it's a self-refuting lie. They have corroborated evidence that Jesus rose from the dead standing before them. How do you have corroborated evidence that the disciples stole the body at night while they were sleeping? Did you see them while you were sleeping? In the dark at night? How do you know what happened while you were sleeping? Oh, you weren't sleeping. Oh, you see? Now all of a sudden, they're not credible witnesses one way or another. Because on one side, if they were sleeping, they really don't know what happened to the body. On the other side, if they're not sleeping, they're liars. The testimony breaks down. It is self-refuting. It falls apart. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. But the Sanhedrin doesn't know because they're so deep in sin that the sin has compounded. They're not going to repent with the evidence of the truth. They want to build sin upon sin upon sin upon sin. And that's the way it goes. The only way you're going to get out of your sin is repentance. Otherwise, you're just going to have to keep on sinning and you're going to sin so much you get caught. Your mom and dad will find out. Your brother and sister will find out. Your friends will find out. Your church will find out. Your school will find out. They will find out. And you're going to have nightmares about them finding out. And guess what? Your nightmares are going to come true. This is the way it goes. Always. And don't think, don't think you're any smarter than these people. There's no way. It always happens. A self-refuting lie. What a joke. For a lot of money, though. They're not credible witnesses. The bribe. The bribe. We saw the report. We saw the bribe. Now let's look at the promise. Let's look at the promise. The guards would likely be concerned that they would get in trouble by sleeping. I mean, you get in trouble if you sleep on the job. I don't know if you know that. If you slept on the job and you got found out, would you get in trouble? They had one job. Make sure a dead body doesn't come out of the ground. Sorry, we were asleep. So they're, they're probably afraid they're going to get in trouble with Pontius Pilate when he finds out because it's, it's his guards and it's a bit of a shame to him. Like, what kind of guards do you have, Pilate? Acts chapter 12, verse 19 actually tells us the guards could be killed if they fall asleep on the job. It says, and after Herod, this is after Peter escaped, after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. So they're probably scared of Pontius Pilate. So the Sanhedrin promises to protect them from consequences with Pontius Pilate in verse 14. And if this comes to the governor's ears, chapter 28, verse 14 of Matthew, the governor being Pontius Pilate, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So you have two different governments. You have 
the Sanhedrin who's making this promise, and then you have Pontius Pilate who they're afraid of, the guards are afraid of. And they're afraid of him because he's the one that they answer to, they're Roman guards. And Pilate, however, is compromised. This is how the sinful mind works. When you're guilty, you lose all ability to make good judgments. So what did Pilate just do? And he knows it, because he knows that Jesus was innocent. He couldn't find any evidence on him. He just had an innocent man killed. His conscience is plaguing him. We know that he was conflicted in his conscience. So if he just had an innocent man killed, do you think he's going to be willing to let these guys off from capital punishment if the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders come whispering in his ear and say, hey, Pilate, don't, don't be so mean this time. You were a little harsh last time. You know? He's, he's compromised. I think psychologically that could very well be going on. But either way, we know that the religious leaders have sway over Pilate. That's for sure. They have sway because they... They convince him to kill a man. So if they could convince him to kill a man he doesn't want to kill, do you think they could convince him to save some soldiers who he doesn't want to kill? I think they could. And so they make this promise. We'll give you guys boatloads of cash, and if it comes down to it and Pontius Pilate comes after you, we've got your back. Don't worry about it. We'll figure this one out. It's very believable. They should have learned from the resurrection that an attempt to manipulate men will be unsuccessful. They didn't learn that. Because when you manipulate men and you think you can get your way by manipulating men, whether it's through money or otherwise or guilt or whatever manipulation tactic you use, you're not going to be able to manipulate God and God will eventually thwart your plans. So they might escape the wrath of Pilate, but they won't escape the wrath of God. Don't you forget that. Maybe some of you are really smooth talkers and you're used to weaseling your way out of consequences. You got away with it your whole life. You weasel your way out of consequences with your parents or with your teachers because you're so good, you're so quick with your tongue and you're so smooth with the way you talk and you're just naturally an affable and likely person. You will not weasel your way out of consequences with God. It will not happen. Being a smooth talker can be very dangerous. Because if you're a smooth talker, you've learned how to talk yourself out of trouble with people, and you trick yourself into thinking you can talk yourself out of trouble with God. He won't let it happen. They're not going to talk themselves out of trouble with God. Therefore, the, the Supreme Court of Israel receives this substantiated, corroborated report that Jesus has risen from the dead. They issue a bribe to say that the disciples stole the body, and then they issue a promise that they will protect the soldiers, if Pontius Pilate gets mad at them. There's three things that they have resolved to do, the Supreme Court as it's gathered, the Sanhedrin as it's gathered. The three things that they have resolved to do is pay a large sum of money, they're paying these guys off with boatloads of cash, to spread a false report, and to promise protection from Pilate. They're in deep. Well, you shouldn't be surprised that they're going to this length. They've been plotting for a long time to kill Jesus. They already hired Judas to, kill, to turn him in. They produced fake witnesses at his trial. They handed him over and had the crowds manipulated to have Pontius Pilate kill him. They're not backing out of it now. Their pride is completely taken over. And, and if this could happen with governments and courts 
in the first century that claimed to fear the Lord? Do you think it could happen with governments and courts in the 21st century that openly hate God? At least these people claimed, they knew the difference between right and wrong. Do you not think, like, I'm a, like, you shouldn't be surprised if this is going on in our courts and in our houses of government. In fact, you should be surprised if it's not. Because in the first century, they actually confessed with their mouth that they had a fear of the Lord and they believed the Ten Commandments. In our century, they openly despise the Ten Commandments and hate God and lie to your face and make you feel like a bigot if you don't believe your lies, their lies. So if this is going on then, does that not maybe explain oddities that go on now? The human character has not changed. And you're duping yourself if you're going around thinking that our governments and courts are pure as the driven snow. I'm glad that some of you laughed. They might be pure as the driven snow at a dog park. We have the report, we have the bribe, we have the promise. Now look at the result. The result. Verse 15. They took the money. So they took the money. The guards took the money. Every time I see that little word took in the text, I'm reminded of Eve. What did she do? She contemplated, she thought about it, and then she reached out and took the fruit. And it's that one little act of taking that does you in. You can sit there and you can meditate on sin and you can think about sin and, and you, can think, you can weigh the odds of you getting caught and you can wonder what the benefits and the cost, the reward. You can balance, you can do a cost-benefit analysis of the sin, but it's the moment you reach out and take it, that's when you're in. And maybe you're thinking there right now, you want to do a cost-benefit analysis of sin. Just remember, it's the moment you take it. That moment, and it's a quick act, so they took it. And that's it. It's now on record. They took the bribe, just like Eve took the fruit. And what it says, so they took the money and did as they were directed. That word directed there is interesting. It's actually the Greek word for it is didasko, which means to teach. So they did as they were taught. Actually, that's how the King James translated it. They did as they were taught, meaning who taught them? The religious leaders. The religious leaders taught them how to spin a lie and spread a heresy. So they spun a lie and spread a heresy. They learned how to lie and spread false doctrine from the religious leaders. The false teachers produced false teachers. And that substantiates the woe of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte or convert. And when he becomes a proselyte or convert, you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are. They make converts to make them into false teachers. And I think this happens in a lot of places today. It happens in seminaries and in churches. People come to them and, you know, sincerely seeking for truth. And what do they do? They obscure the truth or they teach something counter the truth. And then seminaries will, Bible colleges will produce pastors who 
whose thinking and teaching is compromised because they are just doing as they were taught. Monkey see, monkey do. Are the churches produce people whose thinking is skewed and compromised because they're just doing what they were taught by the official people. These are the official teachers. They've arrived. And it happens all the time. And the Sanhedrin could have actually provided pastoral care. They had the opportunity to provide pastoral care to these Romans who were coming in, telling them what happened, and they could have actually said, you know, I think we got it wrong, and we need to repent before God. They didn't. Instead, they want to cover their tracks, and instead of seeing these people who need pastoral care, they saw them as tools to be used to spread their lies. And the best way to produce false teachers is what? Is to pay them. Pay them. Threaten their bottom line or pay them. Threaten them with heavy fines or pay them money, one or the other. But people hate when they're hit at the bottom line. And when they start to feel the squeeze and they start to squirm because the bottom line is being threatened or the bottom line is being bolstered, usually most people, almost everyone has a price. They have a price. Their lie is self-refuting. They have no corroborated evidence that the body was stolen because they were sleeping. Why wouldn't they search for the body? And wouldn't the earthquake wake them up, by the way? Everyone knew there was an earthquake. And Matthew says at the end of this, he says, and this story has been spread among the Jews unto this day. There's a lot of different Jewish sects and denominations in this world. Orthodox Jews and Reformed Jews and this and that. But if there's one thing that every Jew has in common, it's a denial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They all have it in common, unless they convert to Christianity and acknowledge the resurrection. But this would be the one unifying factor of all Jews on the face of the earth if they deny the resurrection. Justin Martyr, in the mid-2nd century, he was a church father, said, you, speaking to the Jews, he wrote this, you Jewish leaders have sent chosen and ordained men throughout all the world to proclaim that a godless and lawless heresy had sprung from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver, whom we crucified, but his disciples stole him by night from the tomb, and now deceived men by asserting that he has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. This is, this is like a hundred years later after this. Hundred years later after this, 120 years later after this happened, Justin Martyr is reporting that the Jews are still spreading the same lie. And thus you have two kingdoms emerge. One is based on the truth, the other on a lie. One is fueled by resurrection power, and the other is fueled by dirty money. People who love money. And so don't be surprised if the kingdom of Antichrist operates by the same standards today. Lies and dirty money. Lies and dirty money. John Trapp said, the devil who began at first his kingdom by lying and by lying still upholds it, set these fellows a work to say is they were taught. This is how the devil operates, this is how he's always operated, lies and greed. 
The claims of Christianity, especially the resurrection, are reasonable and substantiated by corroborated evidence. Where is the body? These guys had a vested interest. They were invested in producing the body. The Jewish leaders were. Why didn't they produce it? Did they not, did they not have all of Rome at their disposal? And would Rome not be motivated to show that its soldiers can actually do something? It wasn't for lack of motivation. It was for the fact that he rose from the dead. That's why. They had to do one thing in the first century. One thing to prove that Christianity was a fraud. As much as the Romans and as much as the Jews hated the Christians. They had to do one thing. Find the body. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Christianity and its claims, especially the resurrection, are reasonable. You say, well, where are the corroborated? Well, four gospel writers testify to the resurrection. Every writer of the New Testament testifies to the resurrection. In fact, all of the apostles at this point in time, when this story is taking place, are hiding because they're afraid after Jesus was dead or killed. But then all of the apostles go on to boldly proclaim the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the point but all but one were eventually killed for proclaiming the message of the resurrection. And the only one who wasn't killed was John, but he was, he was boiled alive in oil and miraculously escaped. So every one of them went on to suffer for the message of the resurrection while at this point they were hiding. So you say, where's the corroborated evidence of the resurrection? Well, there you go. It's evidence in the changed lives of multiple men who are willing to testify to being eyewitnesses of the resurrection and willing to die for it. The claims of Christianity are substantiated by corroborated testimony, and they are reasonable. And we know why people do not believe. Why do they not believe? because they don't want to believe. As Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The priests and the guards know, but they won't believe. And you're sitting there today and you say, I won't believe. I don't see any evidence. If you really want to get down to it, you don't want to believe. You love your sin, you don't like what it's going to cost you to come out as a believer, so you don't want to believe. You say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't see any evidence for God's existence. Right. I, I drove by a snowman the other day, and I just thought the snowstorm miraculously built a snowman. <laughs> Put this, the, the, the carrot in its nose and the coals in its eyes and a scarf around its neck. Boop, it just happened. Give me a break. My hand is more, infinitely more complex than a snowman. People don't want to believe in God. They don't want to believe in the resurrection. They don't want to believe in Jesus Christ because they don't want to believe. The only hope for humanity is to be born again. And you can only be born again by the same power of God that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's have prayer. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone here that all who heard the word of God would be born again would believe in Jesus and be full of the Spirit. You'd save sinners today. You'd strengthen us for having heard your word preached. In Christ's name, amen.